All right, here we go. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back to the Southern Ontario Cowboy. We hope you're enjoying your week so far, and we hope you're not tired of us yet because I think we're going to stick around for a while. Guys, we can't thank you enough for the continued support. We are so excited to continue connecting with all of you and growing cowboy culture here in Ontario. Um, it's been an incredible journey so far, and we hope it continues to grow. Um, without further ado, we'd like to introduce our second guest to the show. You may recognize his voice, Brad Bowie. Hello. Brad, how are you? I'm good. You? I'm good. So, Brad, just so our podcast, we kind of um, are trying to get across to viewers, you know, from beginning to end. So we have um, intermediate riders, we have pros, we have, we kind of have everybody listening in. So okay. just for the folks that don't know you, do you want to kind of give us a little, little blurb on who you are? Sure, sure. Um, so I am, uh, I live in Southern Ontario, obviously. Um, yeah. I compete in rodeo. Uh, I have competed in rodeo for all of my adult life. Um, I started out in rodeo with tie-down roping. Uh, then I moved to steer wrestling, and now I primarily do team roping. Awesome. Um, I have shown Western Pleasure uh, a little bit. That's what my mother did. Um, it was never really my thing. Um, mm -hmm. I have ridden cutting horses. Um, I have team pen, team sorted. So I've done a little bit of everything um, in the horse world. I love that. I love the versatility. I'm like that too. I, I can't really pick... Uh pick one thing I like most. I've kind of done a bit of barrel racing. I've done a bit of sorting. I've done a bit of roping. I love a good trail ride. So I'm kind of all over the place like that too. Well, if, if anybody has uh, followed me on Facebook or social media, they know that I am also a 5D 2-2 barrel racing champion. And I'll just leave that there. And if you can't, uh, you don't know what I'm talking about. Search on on uh, Instagram. Search 5D. on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, the five D so, two two barrel racing champion. So next time we see you, we obviously have to do like a little a little barrel jackpot. Sure, sounds great. Yeah, we'll definitely my, have to get that going. Yeah, my my rope horse. He he barrel races. He uh, tried cutting for the first time last fall. So uh, he's a pretty versatile horse. I love that. Hey, yeah. there's nothing like a good horse that's just worth their weight in gold, right? All the heart. You got it. Yep. That's a, I love my guy for that. I, I sent my brother-in-law on quite the adventure, quite the mission to find him. I, I said, I just want an athletic horse. He's like, well, what do you want him to do? I said, everything. Well, you know, um, there's a lot of horses out there that can do any of everything or can do a lot of stuff. People just don't give them the opportunity to do it. No, definitely mm -hmm. not definitely not. And I, yeah, that's one of the things I find, you know, in my time up with Roy was, you know, you'd listen to them talk about the horses they had. And it was literally one weekend they were doing this, the next weekend they were doing that. And, you know, as times progressed in each, each individual discipline, the margin for winning becomes so small that if you spend any time doing anything else on your horse, you're just not there. And it, it's unfortunate. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, my rope horse, uh, he's 16 years old now. He was actually uh, 
bred, raised uh, by Roy and Joan. And uh, you know what? Basically, when you look at an all-around horse, um, sort of like mine is, is you know what? Uh, when I sort of dabble into the team, or into the cutting, or into the barrel racing, he's not going to win. Like, I mean, he's not going to be the top. Um, but you know what? The I'm going to have fun with him doing it. And, and basically, yeah. that's what a lot of people out there need is a horse that they can go have fun with and, and go do different events. I 100% agree. Totally. At the end of the day, it's not really about winning. It's about getting out there and doing what you love, doing what you enjoy and what you're passionate about. And if you go home with a smile on your face and like good memories made to me, like that's a win. Yep, for sure. So we already kind of touched on a couple questions that I had for you, like um, that. How long have you been in in cowboy culture in the industry? But sure. so how how did you get into horses? Like, did, was that right from the get go? Like, right from being a child? Like, did your family yep. do it? Yeah. So I'm I'm a second generation uh, rodeo cowboy. My son Brendan is a third generation. Uh, my father competed in rodeo in tie down roping. Um, early on, um, uh, roping here in Ontario and also with the Ontario Rodeo Association. So, uh, basically uh, I have a picture on my social media of my dad and I'm like maybe one and a half to riding on the horse with him. So yeah, I was born into it. Yeah. I saw that I was, I was doing a bit of creeping and I saw that. I thought that was really <laughs> cool. I really like that. I love the history. Yeah, uh, so, so so that's fifty one and a half years ago, or fifty almost fifty two years ago. So, so, and have you has there ever been a time in your life where you you know you took a break either because you wanted to or you had to or you maybe yep. thought you know what I'm just not doing it anymore. So yeah, for sure. So I was uh, I was rodeoing a bunch um, and pretty steady, like on the road a bunch, and mm -hmm. um, I met my beautiful wife. Uh, and we did the same, you and I talked a little bit before, but we started, we sort of took a, a break and I uh, decided that I needed to buy a house or put a deposit on a house, a down deposit. Yeah. So um, took a break, sold a rope horse to help make those payments. Um, the nice thing about it at that point, my dad had joined the Ontario Cutting Horse Association, um, mm -hmm. had bought himself a cutting horse. So he invited me to go and go and compete in cutting in Ontario. So um, I spent a couple of years sort of, of uh, borrowing his horse, sort of trailing along with him yeah. um, and competing in the, the lower events, the, the, um, uh, the sort of starting events in the cutting world. So um, I took a, a leave of owning and uh, competing on my own horse but sort of jumped on board with my dad for that period of time. Wow. So you're in the horse, you're in, you know, you're in the community, you're in the equine community, you're in the rodeo world. Yep. How did you make that leap, you know, doing it on like a personal level to a professional level, like getting into the industry? Um, yeah, you know what? That's sort of, I felt fallen into it in the last, oh, probably 15 years of, of uh, and, uh, I've always been a good talker. I've always been a good communicator. Um, and it sort of started um, conversations. Well, you know, what? I guess the first sort of leap into being a professional in the horse industry was um, it started out with a sponsorship. Um, 
a program, a company that I deal with um, is SSG Gloves. And uh, the company reached out to me at one point and said, do you have any pictures of you competing? And at the, back then, the, they're having uh, photographers at, at events wasn't really a big thing. It wasn't something. So I arranged for someone to come out to a rodeo and take a bunch of pictures. Yeah. Well, then those pictures end up getting used on magazines. And wow. uh, the uh, a partnership was it was developed between SSG Gloves and myself. And it still goes today. So that's that's all, probably close to 20 years. Um, you know what? And then it just blossomed into, um, different partnerships with some amazing companies that, uh, that support me, um, mm-hmm. both in my rodeo career, uh, in my announcing, um, and, uh, I, you know, I don't, my first sort of, uh, foray into a job <coughs> with, uh, in the equine industry was I sold advertising for, uh, um, a magazine called the horse trader many, many years ago. That is so cool. <laughs> um, and then I, I grew up going to auctions. I grew up going to horse auctions, cattle auctions, and absolutely love them. Um, and back in 1995, I think um, I said to my dad, I want to go become an auctioneer. And my father said, okay, I'll do it with you. So uh, we both went to the uh, Western Ontario School of Auctioneering in Woodstock, mm-hmm. took the course. Um, my dad sort of just left it be, but then I, uh, I followed it up. I sold horses, I sold livestock, I sold cars, sold liquidation. Um, and that's where sort of using my voice uh, in the industry started. Yeah. Um, and then uh, it just blossomed from there. Now a lot of it is the social media, it's the videos, um, you know, uh, helping a lot of those, the social media that I do are for uh, partners that I have um, mm-hmm. sponsors, partners, whatever you want to call them. So I help manage their social media accounts, um, you know, for like the sliding stop, um, he, uh, Malcolm in the sliding stop tax shop is sponsored one of the shows that I'm putting on. So I gave back and, and went up and Malcolm and I did a, a video just recently. So, um, it's those kind of things, the partnerships, the, the, uh, trade-offs, the relationship that you can build in this mm-hmm. industry. That's amazing. It, it's so true. I feel like it's not like any other industry. It's, I feel though it's business, it always, you know, it has that level of, um, personable, I think, and it's such a, a tight um, knit community, especially here in Ontario, because it is a little bit smaller. I know it's a lot larger if you're going into the States, but I feel especially here in Ontario, it is so tight knit. It's very hard to talk about someone in the equine community or the rodeo world um, without the other person being like, oh, yeah, like, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's a very small world. People know other people and and you know you may like me i've been in the western industry all my life but um you know i i know some hunter jumpers very well um dressage people very well so um the horse is definitely a the equine the horse is a equalizer um you know so true 
everybody loves the horse. So, um, and you know, you see it on the highway during the summer where we're, we're traveling to, to events. Um, you know, I've never ever passed a broken down horse trailer. I will always stop, always ask if I can help, you know, Sometimes people don't know that you're in horses as well, but you tell them and if there's anything you can do, it's just, you know, it's, um, it's what you do. A hundred percent. And it's, it's the same as such a simple thing as I never pass a a truck and trailer without sending a wave, like always. Yep. Yep. Cause you just, you just know, right? Like they're on the road and it's, I don't know, it's, it is an incredible community and we're all so very lucky and so very privileged to be part of it. And that's what this podcast is all about is we really just want to advocate for it. We want to build, we want to give back. Um, so yeah, very it's cool. definitely, we're, we're, like I said, we're very privileged. It's very unique and it's very special. Um, we talked about you competing and you've done a bunch of different things. What would you say is your favorite discipline? Oh, team roping for sure. Yeah. You yeah. know what? Um, I was a good uh, tie down roper. Yeah. Um, I won a championship with steer wrestling. Um, I really didn't, uh, I won a championship, but I didn't really put the effort into it. I mean, the year that I won a championship, uh, I had an incredible horse, uh, that a good friend of mine owned Lee Einson, Roy's son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we competed together. Uh, his horse is what gave me the championship. So, but the the team roping uh that i've been doing for the last 10 years uh plus maybe even a little longer uh, has really uh you have to really work at it you know what i mean mm-hmm. i never really worked mm-hmm. in steer wrestling um you have to work at 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 it, at it you need to practice you need to put the time in of course yeah yeah definitely roping is whew, it is a skill for anybody who doesn't rope, like it is not an easy, an easy task. I know just even, you know, the little bit I've done and getting back into it, it's, you know, it's the pressure of being in the box and you have to stay so cool and it's, you know, it's paying attention to your, to your calf or to your steer. It's paying attention to your horse, paying attention to your rope. There's so much that can go wrong. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, um, your muscle memory. Uh, so basically when you're roping, um, uh, when you're on a young horse, you have to sort of forget about your rope. You have mm-hmm. to ride your horse and make sure that they're in the right spot, make sure they stop. Um, when you're on a well-trained horse, you almost forget about the horse and you concentrate on the rope. Um, and then really in competition, you put it all together. And uh, so you've got to practice, you've got to break down the sport. And I mean, it's the same with anything, same with cutting, same with reining, same with barrels. You've got to break down each component of the run or the the competition to get good at it i think that's awesome advice especially for beginners so brad yeah um for you know somebody that's you know thinking about roping or you know maybe just started or you know where where do they start? What do they, you know, what are the things to focus on first? You know, I mean, obviously you got to learn how to swing and throw a rope, but um, you know, kind of like things like what do you need in the horse? You know um, what's kind of the things to focus on as early, early steps for going into that world. Sure. So 
I think you're probably your first bet would be to look at taking some lessons or, or finding someone that can help you. So there's a couple of places, you know, the, the roping association of Ontario has a Facebook page. You can go there, uh, look up the page sort of, and then maybe even ask some questions about who's out there that's giving lessons. Um, there's a rawhide rodeo, which is another, uh, program here in Ontario, a a a rodeo producer, um, you can go find them on Facebook and uh, start looking at that community. Um, even go to your local tax stop, uh, tax store, go to the sliding tax stop and find out who's in the area that um, ropes or, or, or maybe someone. I mean, every tax store probably knows somebody that's around that area that competes or can point you in the right direction. Um, yeah, except for the one you mentioned. They don't know anything there. <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure they do i'm pretty sure they do um the so that's the first thing is is finding out where you can go and see i mean as far as horse goes um it's not something traditionally you can just take a backyard horse and go and, and compete at rope and roping um there has to be some time spent you know uh getting the horse used to the rope getting the horse used to being swung over their head getting horse used to cattle i mean these are things that you can make a rope horse. Like, don't get me wrong. It's, it's not something that you have to go out and spend 10 or $15,000 tomorrow. Um, but if you want to be competitive tomorrow, then you've got to spend the money and get a good horse. Um, mm-hmm. That's there's like just, any discipline. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, you, you look at uh, hunter jumpers in the world. Uh, you don't just go and buy a, a horse that'll dry, drop three foot and take you to the, to the pay window. Um, no. Same with the barrel racing. You don't, uh, you don't find a 15 second barrel racing horse or a 16 second barrel racing horse without uh, putting some money out. So being in the industries for as long as you have, and yep. even before then being in the rodeo world, as long as you have, okay. how has that influenced your family? Uh, everything. So, um, obviously my father was, um, into rodeo, got into mm-hmm. halter horses afterward. My mother was into pleasure horses, showed pleasure horses for years. Um, there used to be a, a, a horse show here in Ontario called Corderama. My dad mm-hmm. was an announcer at Corderama. He was a show manager at Corderama. My mother was a ring steward. Um, oh, wow. I met my wife, uh, at Corderama, um, we, uh, my wife and I, my wife and I have been together 28 years. We'll be 25 years married next week. So, um, and then, um, my son, Brendan, who is 21, just about 22 or 21 years old. Um, and he's grown up in it as well. So basically the horse industry is, um, made me the rounded person that I am and it has affected mm-hmm. my life all the way through. Wow. I feel, you know what, I feel like there's so many families, especially in this area, um, that have similar stories, you know, where either they're first generation or second generation, and and then their kids are, you know, also continuing into the community. I know that's how it is for me and my family. Um, My grandparents, you know, they always had horses, nothing significant, literally backyard nags. Um, (laughs) And you know what, my mom, my dad met, and they wanted that lifestyle. And that's yeah that so they just started buying horses they knew nothing i'm pretty sure they had like arabs around <laughs> when i was really little yeah um and 
yeah, and it's so crazy now to know where we are now and the horses we have in our barn now to where we were even 10 years ago, what we were riding, what we knew, the tack we were using. It's, it's so crazy. Like if you put the effort in, like you said, and you know, you, it's your priority and you put that time in, it's crazy how far you can come. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's one of the things, sorry, Brad, No, you're um, good. the, one of the things that still use, so unique about Ontario, Ontario, you know, we are in a spot where, you know, um, from episode one with Bruce, we dug into kind of the history of it with um, his dad, Roy, who I bought the store off of, um, you know, Roy brought the first quarter horses to Ontario and you know, Quebec and Eastern Canada. So, and myself, I'm a first generation horseback rider in my family. And, um, you know, and I've only been, I'm sub 10 years in the industry but essentially it was we started and we enjoyed it and we just luckily enough um, we were outgoing enough that we just decided you know through Facebook and social media like oh there's this event or there's that clinic and we would just say well I mean I guess we'll just go and make friends or you know essentially you know if you're in Ontario you have a horse or you want to get a horse you can take that horse, pay your money and go ride with the best people we have here in Ontario. They're accessible. Whereas, you know, you go to the equine industry in the U S you know, you may be 1500 miles from the best person local. Right. So that is one thing that I find unique here is that you can get next to some of the best people we have locally. And I find that's um, one huge advantage that I definitely hope people are taking advantage of. Yeah, for sure. And most definitely. I mean, what I found in, in the years I've been in the industry is you're going to have people that come and go. Um, and mm-hmm. you get people that are, you know, that if it's rodeo, roping, barrel racing, raining, cutting, you're going to have people that come into the industry. Um, some of them jump for, you know, both feet in um, and can start to compete. Some people crawl in. Um, and those, uh, people don't always stay. They, mm-hmm. they sort of come in and they go, um, they contribute to the industry while they're there. Um, but the nice thing about it is even when they're out of the industry and what I've found is you still keep them as friends. They may not be coming to the, to the events. They may not be coming to the, to the ropings or to the cuttings or the rainings. Um, but you still remain friends with them. Um, but then there are the second and third and fourth generation families um, like the Iansons. Uh, the, there's a lots of them in the rodeo world. There's lots of them like the Wilson family in the cutting world. Um, the Kinsmans. The, yep. Uh, Jesse, uh, Bevan, the Kinsman family up your way. Uh, multiple. I bought my first rope horse, my first personal rope horse of my own. I bought off of the Kinsmans. Um, He's 28, 29 years old, still alive today. Um, awesome. Yeah, uh, <laughs> most definitely. So there, there are lots of those families, um, generational families that are out there, which is great. Yeah. I was just going to say, you were talking about, you know, how people come and go. And that's one of the things we're seeing right now. And, you know, I've chatted with this with a few trainers and coaches and um, in the tech industry as well. We see, you know, we're seeing a whole lot of people where either, you know, they had horses as a kid or um, 
you know, they just got their for- first horse again. And it's kind of um, what I'm thinking is a COVID situation we're in right now where, you know, exercising horses is essential. So we're seeing, we're seeing, you know, people coming into the industry and, you know, to me, which is why, you know, one of the goals I have through the tax shop is, you know, what do we have to do to keep these people interested once, you know, soccer and hockey and all these sports come back and, you know, how do we keep them interested? How do we keep them engaged? And I'm hoping that, you know, this podcast as well is one of those things where, you know, connect them to the roots and familiarize them with the people in the industry so that, you know, even if, you know, cause it's a huge feel good when, you know, even, you know, you have a horse that doesn't want to lope off on the left lead in, you know, you go to somebody and you work it, you work it, you work it and you get it, you know, it's a huge feel good. So um, that is one of my main goals is to, you know, how do we continue to grow our industry and keep these people that are coming in now with this unique situation we have? Very good point. Yep. Very good point. Uh, strike while the iron's hot, they say. Yeah. 100%. It's very true. I didn't, I know, I didn't even really think of it that way that, you know, during this pandemic, maybe people, some, some new people were coming in because it's a way to get out and do something a little different and to, you know, enjoy your time other than just sitting at home. Well, I didn't, yeah, it's I didn't even one of the very that. few things you can get out and do these days. Yep. Well, e- even this is hard enough. enough. Yeah. Yeah. Even even what they're letting us do is hard enough right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm frustrated with it. I, I was supposed to be in Oklahoma right now. I, I wouldn't have been here to to do this with you today. Um, and, and you know what? I love the fact that I've been able to come on here as your second guest, but I much would rather be in Oklahoma right now. Hey, we don't blame <laughs> well, you thanks, one God. bit. But you know what? The best part Appreciate about doing that. this this way right now over the phone is is that we could have done it with you in Oklahoma. Yes. Yeah. We could have still done it. I know we were supposed to go to Wolf Island in in the next couple weekends and oh, that obviously isn't happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I was uh I would supposed to be announcing a raining at the lazy e arena right now so oh isn't that just heartbreaking yeah a little bit yep that's just oh my gosh i know it's so crazy to think of all the things we are missing but maybe it'll make us all just appreciate it a little bit more when we finally get to return to normal right for sure yeah we won't ever take it for granted ever again (laughs) now asking about i asked how it influenced your family is this is it something that you and your family still do together uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, my son Brendan is a farrier, and yep. he's uh, starting his business, so he's he's quite busy. But I mean, we roped a couple of times, three times last year at, at competitions together. Um, uh, he just bought a new horse, so he's uh, he. I love their new horse. <laughs> I was there when they bought it. Yeah, he, uh, he practices. Him and his girlfriend Maggie practice. Uh, near Guelph where they live um I practice here in the Niagara Peninsula where but yeah um my wife uh, rides my rope horse uh, from time to time uh, warms it up uh, uh, you, Malcolm talked about the leads uh getting my rope horse on a right lead I pretty much suck at my wife yelled at me all the time so because you're a roper <laughs> yep you so, don't need a right lead the yes you lead, do you know yes what? you do funny story is we we i was in the the practice pen last night um 
my one of my roping partners, uh, Jacob, his wife wasn't there. Jennifer wasn't there. So we specifically said, this is a night that we do not have to warm our horses up on the right lead. Just oh the left my lead. <laughs> there was nobody. And if anybody, and I guarantee you, uh, anybody that's listening to this podcast, um, if they've had a coach, if they've had a loved one, uh, and watching them, and they're trying to get a lead, and they hear, nope. No, nope. we've all been there. Oh, they know what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, my, oh, I know. That. And you know, and they know how frustrating it is to keep hearing them saying, "Nope." I can literally just hear my dad's voice and my sister's voice echoing through my head. <laughs> Talking about roping, do you want to chat with us a little bit about the 5K breakaway in the Ancaster sure. Roundup? Sure. Yeah. So. Um, well, the Ancaster Roundup first, uh, I was invited uh, by a group of cutters a couple of years ago to join as a partner, um, mm-hmm. the Van Bokel family and the Reed families, um, to join as a partner at a cutting. Um, so the show started out as a cutting a couple of years ago, um, yeah. has grown. Um Last year, I mean, I'm I'm biased, but I think it was probably the most successful cutting that uh, the the that was held in Ontario last year, even with COVID, um, was a great show. Um, we want to build it. We want to. We would love it to get to the point where it's like an agribition, which is out west, so that you're seeing all um, cattle and western events. So cutting, uh, working cow horse, maybe some roping. Um, and you know what? We'd love it to be a, a four or five, six day show eventually um, mm-hmm. for the Western disciplines. Uh, yeah. And so part of that was adding the 5K breakaway to it. Um, the fastest growing segment of the Western um, sports, Western horse sports right now is the breakaway roping. Uh, yes, it is. We are seeing astronomical amounts of money um up for grabs you know sixty thousand dollars uh madison otier from texas won sixty thousand dollars in one day um at a rodeo um we saw breakaway added to the national finals rodeo this year so um myself and can we just talk about for a second that crawford won that and how she was how many months pregnant uh about eight months pregnant like yeah yeah, amazing. Had the, baby, had the amazing. baby just after the the rodeo. Yep, um, and, like that's history. I'm sorry, that's incredible. And she's back winning rodeos already, and the baby's not very old. So she is a storm, man. She is an idol for sure. So uh, myself and uh, three other uh, breakaway ropers, um, amazing, amazing women here in the province of Ontario said, sort of got together and we wanted to put a series of just breakaway on to highlight that event. Um, Obviously, Corona, uh, the COVID has slowed us down a little bit. Mm -hmm. We we weren't Mm -hmm. able to hold our first event. Um, but basically now the breakaway is going to be open to uh, youth, ladies, men's, all in different divisions. Um, so I'm 52 years old. I used to tie down rope. I cannot tie down rope anymore. I'm just not physically able to. 
but I would still love to compete at the breakaway. So um, men competing against men, uh, the open, it's the best ropers in the country going head to head. Um, so basically being a partner with the Ancaster Roundup uh, afforded me the ability to um, offer up and provide a perfect menu for those finals. Uh, yeah which will be held Thursday, September 16th um, in Ancaster. So um, just for everybody listening, yep. then are these pointed shows to get to the finals or is it one event? No, uh, as long as COVID allows us to open up, we will have pointed shows um, throughout the province through the summer to qualify for um, the Ancaster Roundup for the uh, Equinity um, 5K Breakaway Finals. Um, again, we've got some amazing sponsors. Equinity has come on board as a sponsor. Cross Heels Roping Supply has donated a roping dummy. Uh, so the three. Yeah, I saw that on Facebook. That looks so good. That looks so good. So we're doing the five k breakaway similar to barrel racing. We're doing it in a three D format. So um, let's say the top roper at the road at the at the at the roping um, ropes at a two point five second run. Mm-hmm. Well, then everybody that's close to them will be placed in the 1D. If you're a second uh, slower, that's the 2D. A second slower again is the 3D. So at the finals, the winner of the 3D breakaway, the low, the, the lowest um, group will win that uh, roping dummy. Wow. That's so cool. So Brad, quick question. Yes, yeah. Uh, what's the prize for the 5D? <laughs> that, that only happens in the 2-2 barrel racing there is no 5d in the breakaway God, this is why we don't like him remember <laughs> i i was i was talking for me because my next oh, question my next go. question was how big does my bribe have to be to get into the youth division oh, oh yeah. my. You, you may be a, you may be a little past that so yeah <laughs> Malcolm, we've been over this. You're not funny. Yeah. You're okay. not funny. Fine. <laughs> uh, very uh, good. Um, um, while you're, sorry, I'm going to take us a little, um, you'd mentioned earlier the, um, the quarter rama. Um, yep. And I think, he, and I just learned about, you know, essentially quarter rama last summer and how big of an event it was, you know, like at, in its prime, we were drawing competitors up from the U.S. to compete here at Quarterama in March. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about um, kind of what the atmosphere was like at um, Quarterama? What was like, how big was it? And uh, a few things like that. Sure. Yeah. It's, uh, I grew up at Quarterama. So basically, I grew up going to Quarterama every year as a kid, uh, running around the the coliseum um the problem is, is you've ever been to the coliseum the exhibition grounds it doesn't look anything like it used to um mm-hmm. but it would be a, a seven-day show um and and we would get competitors from all over north america um and it was uh comparable to the congress if you've ever been to the congress it would be comparable Love to congress the, it'd be comparable to the world show the aqha world show um and, uh, you know, uh, so I grew up there. Um, again, my dad was part of the, the organizing committee. My mom was too. Um, 
and then when I got to be a competitor, when I got to tie down rope there, um, the tie down would be sort of late one evening. We would do run our first calf uh, sort of in prime time. Um, well, then our next calf wouldn't be till six or seven in the morning, the next morning. But uh, um, atmosphere, there was nothing like it. Um, you would go in there, uh, there, there would be commercial exhibitors. So, uh, tax stores would be huge. Um, there were an old, uh, an old tax store called the golden horseshoe tax store, um, would be huge. Uh, no way. I, oh. that was one of the names I had on my list of things to name my tax store. Yep. Yeah. It, uh, the golden horseshoe tax store, um, Oh, Bruce, I forget his name. It was Bruce something. Uh, it was in Bolton, Ontario. Um, and uh, and a lot of the tax stores, I mean, similar to the Congress, some of those big shows um, weren't their footprint at their, their actual store uh, wasn't even close to the size of their footprint at a big show. So, you know, back then a store maybe, uh, you know, 30 feet by 50 feet inside but their booth at a show like that would be you know uh, five six seven eight ten times bigger than that and that show would make their year yeah um literally they would uh, you know like a good example let's look at the congress look at rods if you've ever been to rods western wear their store in columbus it's about a quarter the size of rods at the Congress. Um, and the same thing was at Corderama. Uh, back then too, it was a family. Um, you know, there would be, uh, it was funny. We were talking about it the other day. The absorbing barrel race was huge. Yeah. Hundreds of horses in the barrel race. Um, and the Coliseum would be full of people watching it all week long. How do, so my question is, how do we bring something like that back? Because like, I obviously never got to go. <laughs> yep. yep. And I love going to Congress. I've been a couple of times now. It's such, it's just such a fun time. You know, you go for the weekend, you, you know, you go to all the tax stores, you see a bunch of people, you see some incredible competitors. Like it's just the whole environment is just amazing. Right. It's like it's like Christmas for us mild equestrians. Yeah. And Cowboy Christmas. It, literally. So how if we had something like that in Ontario, how on earth did we let it go? And how the heck do we bring it back? Uh, how did we let it go? Uh, it was a volunteer, completely volunteer run show. Um, oh. Uh, the other thing is uh, the other part that sort of split it apart was, uh, was specialization. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The, so the um, say we take raining, the, the raining that was on there was AQHA raining, AQHA mm -hmm. cutting, AQHA roping. Well, now we have the NRHA, we've got the NCHA, we have AQHA, we have, um, the NSBA, the National Staffel Bit Association, we've got all of these independent um, associations running their own shows. Um, so you don't necessarily have those big multidiscipline shows anymore. 
Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. How do we get it back? That's a great question. Um, Another question would be, is it possible? Because again, I know they set up Quarterama in kind of a lull where nobody was showing. It was kind of just before the season kind of kicked off. And now, you know, we've got raining and, you know, the world's greatest horseman and, you know, the, um, uh, the triple crown or the, of um, cutting all kind of in yep. that January through March window. So um, yeah, again, yeah. it comes down into that. Is there even, can we even do it because again of that specialization and kind of an open window? You know what? I would love to see something like that. And that's my partners and I in the Ancaster roundup um, would like to see something around the Western disciplines, around the cutting, the reining, the roping, the, um, you know, ranch, ranch sorting, ranch trail. Um, so ranch riding. Yep. Ranch. So to say that it's not ever going to happen, um, I hope that it doesn't. Um, again, um, I'll be honest with you, the, uh, us with the Ancaster Roundup, we're not really interested to get into the English events or the multidisciplinary events. We really yeah. want to keep it sort of cowboy and cowgirl. Yeah. Well, I love that. And while we were discussing it, I was kind of, you know, kind of thinking about that. And, you know, with those specialty kind of groups, it almost seems like on, you know, with the 5K um, breakaway and stuff like that, that might almost be the way to um, help that grow is kind of, you know, because, but I mean, again, a first step. Yeah. But, and again, you know, we do have some competitors here that, you know, do compete at here in Ontario that, you know, do go down to Texas and Oklahoma to compete at, you know, world's greatest horsemen yep. or, um, the, you know, the snaffle bit for charity for the um, NRCHA or, you know, I know Van Bokels, they compete in Texas and cutting as well. Um, But I mean, we still have a huge crowd here that I think kind of, you know, a winter series like that or, you know, early spring, um, there could be a huge demand for that. Yeah. You know, I guess the, the way I look at it is like the old movie. uh, If you build it, they will come. Mm -hmm. Um, And, that's sort of the vision for Ancaster Roundup is is um, we'll provide the the building, we'll provide the space, uh, yeah. we'll uh, you know we'll work with the sliding stop tax shop and get our commercial exhibitors in. Um, this two or three days is cutting. You know what? Let's uh, then we'll do some working cow horse. But the working cow horse association can, can come in and help run that. The yeah. rainers can come in and help run their part of the show. Um, you know, again, so it's that sort of collaboration between associations to yeah. make an amazing, and really uh, for me personally, I would love to get the people from Hamilton, Toronto, Burlington, yeah. um, Oakville to come to see cowboys and cowgirls riding horses. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, that is one of the huge things I think here we are missing out on is the spectator side of it, because that also draws people to be like, dude, I want to do that. Um, And I'm going to 
you know, one, one thought I've had, and I mean, I have way too many of them is um, <laughs> you both know where the tax store is right now. Um, and right there, I have dreams of, you know, if I live to be 300 um, to put in a giant show arena there with spectator ability and even, you know, going down to the farmer's market and putting TVs down there with I live stream from the show arena where people are like, where is that? I want to go see that. And, yep. you know, because I think they're already at, you know, the farmer's market, they're already close enough and interested enough. Whereas if, you know, we could, and I mean, shoot, it might be as even for shows local now and just put posters down there. Um, but I think, you know, I think what all of this and you with Quarterama, you said it was volunteer run. Um, probably what we need is people on sign up sheets is probably what we're going to need to make anything, you know, and I think I, even in our little, all our little different clubs. I have a feeling there's a huge lack of people on sign-up sheets. Everybody wants the show, but there's no one wants people to willing to run around and do the the work behind the scenes. I know yep. at Raining, there's one um, girl, um, Rebecca Nell. She runs around with a camera. She's on the board, and she's like, and then she goes and shows her horse. And I mean, and I see the work she's doing, and I just I make a point. I'm like you know what, you're doing an awesome job. I see you running around. I know I certainly appreciate it. If there's anything you need, you know, let me know. I can help out. But I mean, a lot of people, they're there, they want to show, they want to have a good time, but they're not involved in the background of it. And, you know, that old saying of many hands makes light work. I hope that um, we can, hopefully we can mobilize people and get them excited and being like, you know, at least go in and volunteer to do a little job. Help out right. a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at our team with the Ancaster Roundup. So we've got um, the Van Bokels, uh, we've mm -hmm. got the Reeds. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're partners. And I mean, you know what? Uh, we are in the business to try to make some money from the show and, and put yeah. on a good product. But um, at the same time, you know, Scott and Eric uh, and Catherine are in there turning back for almost every single uh -huh. run. Uh, Eric looks after the cattle. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Lori Reed is in the office. She's back and forth. Yeah. She's, oh yeah, you watch Lori at the cutting. She's everywhere. So, um, you know what? In in a horse show or in a rodeo or whatever, people wear lots of different hats, and it's mm -hmm. the, it's what you're willing to do. It a bit, Very but true. I mean, um, the thing is, if you're putting on an event, um, and, and this is and I'll sort of get to Malcolm, um, not the podcast host, but Malcolm, the store owner. Um, when we're putting on an event or when you're putting on it, I need to dangle a carrot in front of Malcolm. You know what I mean? He has to, if he's going to bring the store as a commercial exhibitor, if he's going to come and sponsor classes, um, we have to make it worth your while. We have to get people, not just competitors, like the competitors are, they'll spend money, but we mm -hmm. need to get people either from other horse disciplines or mm -hmm. members of the public to come mm -hmm. in and walk by the stuff that Malcolm has to sell. Um, mm -hmm. Walk by Equinity to, or Mad Barn or one of these companies. We have to, so we have to think about 
a holistic approach, not just our competitors yeah. um, and not just our vendors, but uh, the members of the public that might walk in the door to watch. Uh, and that's uh, the big thing with me too, is, is um, about the cowboy culture and about the, um, I totally feel that if you're at a competition, you should have a cowboy hat on, a long sleeve yes. shirt, mm-hmm. jeans. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, unfortunately, in a lot of the specialized disciplines I've seen, um, you know, people are wearing their ball cap and they uh, don't get me wrong. I wear a ball cap all the time. Yeah. And if you're wearing, w- I think if you're wearing a ball cap, you know, with, you know, that has a ranchy brand, at least in that some part of the culture. But if you're right. just wearing like a Blue Jays hat or something, yeah. or you're, you know, your Rocky favorite hockey but team's again, hat, it's just not I the think, same. I think what Brad's getting at, Megan, is, for example, let's say we're at Ancaster Roundup. You know, we are part of this show mm-hmm. and we all go in, you know, we decide, you know, three or four, a group of five or six people, you know, in non-COVID times, you know, yeah, we have our cowboy boots and our spurs on. We go clank, clank when we go to Boston Pizza for dinner. Yeah. But people are like, whatever. If you have that cowboy hat on, people go, what's this? Yeah, It's what's true. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's with a ball true. cap, even with a ranch brand, it's another ball cap. They don't know yep. if that's a rock star brand. That's so true. Or, that's so uh, true. you know. Right, and, and, and right. I mean, to on <clears throat> on the grounds of the show. Uh, you yeah, know if yeah. You are I, in the grounds and you are yep. competing it is full attire. I one hundred percent agree. Yeah. If we're if we're bringing the public, or we're hoping the public is coming in, they're coming in to see cowboys and cowgirls. They're yes. coming in to see John Wayne. Uh, they mm-hmm. saw John Wayne in a movie, or they saw you know something they want to see. Well, now they they watch Yellowstone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. All those girls want to see Rip and Casey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and guys are coming looking for Beth. <laughs> happening. Yep, for sure. No, I. You know, I think that's a great point. It's so true. It's something my dad is very, very passionate yeah. about and, um, with our association. Yeah. And I've I've been slacking it's, on that, Brad. So you know what? No more. There you go. Thank yeah. you. It's if so you see true, me with a ball in the cap, winter time. call me out. I don't care if it's on a mic, whatever. Call me out. Tell me to put my stuff on. Yep. I agree. And I'll be honest. I like, agree. I mean, uh, I, in the practice pen, I wear a ball cap. Uh, be, you know, maybe at a rodeo in the morning, I'll wear a ball cap. But, you know, an hour out when the public starts showing up, it's cowboy attire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I that think is that's such a great a good idea. Point, and I never thought about it that way. It's very true. But I love it. I do. Yeah. I think whatever we can do. And, you know, we kind of talk about that in our first episode a little bit, just our pilot um, when we're kind of discussing who we are is, you know, Malcolm and I, we both kind of came together and we both agreed that this community, you know, the, the Western world, the horse world, the equine world, the rodeo world, you know, cowboy culture in general, it's something that exists in Ontario that most of our citizens don't even know exists. They don't even know it's a thing. I have nope. good friends who, you know, mm-hmm. that live around the corner from me. And they're like, you're starting a podcast? And I'm like, yeah, man, it's going to be all about cowboy culture. We really want to get back to our community. And they're like, what's cowboy culture? <laughs> they're like, you mean like, you know, rodeos and horse shows? I'm like, yeah, but like, it's a whole, like, it's not like golf clubs. You can't just put this in the closet. You can't put the soccer ball away, you know, when you're done with it and you're going to bring it out again next weekend. 
we're working with animals, you know, that have needs that we have to exercise, that we have to take Mm -hmm. care of. They have attitudes, they have character, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's, (laughs) don't we know it? Um, (laughs) But it's not something you can just put away and pick up when you feel like it. Like it is, it's not just a hobby. It is a lifestyle. It is a choice you have to make up every day when you get up in the morning. And I think a lot of people don't really realize the time, the effort, um, the priority that it takes in your life. So for me, that's what this podcast is really about is to make the rest of the world, the rest of Ontario, a little bit more knowledgeable about what the rest of us do you know, in our day to day. Yep. For sure. And why we're so passionate about it. So, so. on the, um, Ancaster roundup that's in September, we are September 15, 16, 17. Yeah. 16. So the first day of showing is actually the 16th. So 16, okay. uh, that'll be, we've actually got a, uh, Chet Martin, uh, flag clinic in the afternoon on the 16th, uh, the uh, 5K Breakaway Finals is the evening of the 16th, uh, which mm-hmm. is the Thursday. Uh, and all the cutting classes start on Friday. Um, Friday night will be our uh, senior horse. Uh, so basically, um, my partners and I, we, we looked at, uh, we wanted to showcase that some of these senior horses that are out there, and I mean 10, 11, 12 years old, mm-hmm. um, to show what they can do. So there's actually a special class Friday night um, for the seniors and that'll be their first run. They're going to do a second run on Sunday. um, And I believe there's $4,000 added just for our senior event, uh, which is senior horse event, which is amazing. Uh, Saturday night will be our mad Brown, mad barn bridalist. um, And that's a cutting, uh, with a horse without a bridle. So no bit in its mouth, no bridle. The horse has to do the work, um, which is absolutely amazing. It's been so successful the last two years. Yeah. I can't then, wait to see that. And then Sunday will be the uh, the finals of that senior event. So we're going to do a showcase them on Friday night, where we're going to showcase them again on Sunday. And um, all of those big events, the, the evening, the 5K breakaway, the uh, the senior event on Friday night, the Mad Brown and Bradless on Saturday, and the senior final go on Sunday will all be um, go will go live on the Ancaster Roundup Facebook page. So uh, if you can't make it to Ancaster, or gosh forbid we're still in COVID restrictions, you can watch it on our Facebook page and enjoy the whole time. Well, I I went from a a rope horse again. His name was Mike, uh, and he was hot. He was, he'd prance. He would be in the bit the whole time. You couldn't put any leg on him. Um, But I mean, I won probably close to $50,000 on him in the rope Mm -hmm. and pen. Um, But then when I went to my new horse or or new horse now, Macaroni, uh, he was completely different. (laughs) Yeah. Macaroni pony. Yeah. He, uh, he was completely different. I love that. He, uh, he was <laughs> laid back. Uh, you need to put a lot of leg on him. Um, you stay off his mouth. Like he doesn't want to. So it he's was... more push style than freestyle. So, yeah. And he was uh, completely like, it took me a long time to 
change my riding habits, change mm-hmm. how I got and to get along with one horse to the other. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, the guy, the people that can ride uh, young horses and get it done, like, you know, it's, and it's funny, it's, I'm going to give him a shout out, uh, Chet Martin, um, mm-hmm. incredible young man. Uh, and again, sort of came out of nowhere. All of a sudden we started hearing about this Chet Martin, Chet Martin. I mean, another uh, first generation cowboy. Yeah, he can he can rope steers. Um, he can wor- ride a working cow horse. He can ride a reining horse, um, ride a cutter. But what I'm starting to hear now is other trainers in the province, people that would normally put time on their horse or or on a customer's horse, are sending them to chat to start. So I mean, that's a huge shout out to to get that, that buck out. <laughs> yep. Well, not only to get the, he's just getting a really nice handle on a horse, you know what I yeah. mean? So, yeah. And there's just some people that they just have it and, you know, they can't tell you what to do. They just have it. They, they just, they communicate with the horse so well and they feel that horse so well that they, and they adapt really well to other horses. Well, so. Brad, a couple, just a couple more little questions sure, for you. Just, yeah. These are kind of questions I want to ask everybody um, okay. for the podcast. If you could say one thing to beginners and one thing to the, you know, the pros, the seasoned riders, what would each of those things be? Oh, wow. Good question. Um, for the beginners, learn something from everyone. Uh, it mm-hmm. may be something not to do uh so you may learn uh something bad from somebody but learn from it uh you may learn for something from uh good from somebody um and be willing to absorb it uh don't always be um the person that thinks they know everything uh and they're out there i mean i've, I've met them i've tried to help them uh for the pros um that's a great question for the pros. Uh, probably remember it's not all about business. Um, mm. There mm. are horse owners, competitors, showers that are truly doing this for the love of the horse mm-hmm. and for the love of spending time uh, at a horse show or at an event. So uh, remember that, that there are, not everybody's in the business of owning a horse. Yeah. Some people mm-hmm. do and it for the love. Well, Brad, it was such a pleasure to talk to you. I'm sure we'll have you on probably at a later day again, and we'll see you hopefully soon in the arena somewhere if this pandemic ever lifts. For sure. Well, <laughs> um, the plan is as uh, long as everything happens, I'll be in uh, the South Point uh, Hotel and Casino announcing in August, and I'll be in uh florida for the whole month of october announcing so uh maybe then we could get on and uh, i could do uh, a podcast from somewhere else in the u.s yeah we would love that'd, that that'd be cool we would yeah. love that that'd be very cool yeah. awesome well do you have anything else you know you need you kind of want to share with everybody or uh, no I, I don't uh go out and ride your horse uh i'm pretty sure that your horse doesn't have covid yes uh, <laughs> go out spend time with your horse go ride your horse uh and absolutely enjoy your time yes i love that i love that 
And friends, please remember to check out The Sliding Stop on Instagram, Facebook, and on their website, theslidingstop.com. The store is open Monday to Thursday, 12 till 8, Friday, 12 till 6, and Saturday, 10 till 5. COVID restrictions are in place, but it's kind of just whatever you're comfortable with, guys. And please, please, please follow us on Instagram and subscribe to the podcast. Again, thank you so much for all your support so far, and keep spreading the good word. Cheers, friends. Thank you.